0: War or Peace? Question mark. War or Peace. And I want to talk to you about whether or not you're at war with God or you're at peace with God. And so it's, it's been my experience as a pastor for about 10 years now that there's many Christians who are Christians, they're saved, but they live with a mindset of me and God still got some beef between us. It's just true. I've seen it too many times. I've actually been that, that, in that place myself, but God's delivered me. Here's our key verse for this series, Romans chapter 5, starting in verse 10 and 11 from the Good News Translation. I know you all brought your Good News Translation Bible today, but in case you didn't, it's on the screen. Watch what it says. We were God's enemies. I don't know if you realize that or not, but before you gave your life to Jesus, you were God's enemy. Now, that doesn't sound real fun and real pleasant, but you were God's enemies. But he has made us his friends through the death of his son. Now that we are God's friends, how much more will we we be saved by Christ's life? But that is not all. We rejoice because of what God has done through our Lord Jesus Christ, who has now made us God's friends. So watch this. You were an enemy of God, but the moment you gave your life to Jesus, you became a friend of God. How many of you would say, thank God? (laughs) I don't know if you came to church wanting to be God's enemy, but I would beg you not to. It's better to be his friend than his enemy. Amen? Better to be his friend than his enemy. So I've seen a lot of people over the years. That are Christians, they're saved. And I want to pose this question. Can a person be saved and still feel and think like an enemy of God? I want to answer that question today. Can you be saved but still have a mindset and feelings like you and God still got some issues? It, it shows up a lot of times like this. We, we call out to God as our last resort. Many of you have made this statement, and I don't want you to be super religious today. I really want you to be honest with me and raise your hand if you've made this statement before. I've made it myself. But many of us have made this statement when somebody's in trouble or something's going on. We've made the statement, well, now all we can do is pray. Come on. How many of you have made that statement? You're in church. You can't be lying in church. Come on. We have all made that statement. I wonder how God feels when we make that statement. Well, All we can do is pray. I personally think God's like, are you serious? Like you, you're going to do all that and then say, oh, well, I guess we can pray. It's kind of like throwing up a little bit of thing, a little bit of hope and hoping it lands in the right place. It's kind of like, well, let's just throw one up to heaven and see if they hear us. Now, all we can do is pray. And prayer should be the very first thing we do, right? Because if you're a friend of God and you know he's the source of life and he can change any situation, we should be running to him first. Not saying, well, I guess we'll go to God now. Maybe it shows up like this that we don't expect God to do very much. We'll pray. We'll pray. We'll pray and and, and we'll, 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 we'll throw it up there and, you know, brother, maybe God will answer. Does that sound like a friend of God? Does that sound like you believe in God? That sounds like you're taking a chance with God, right? It's kind of like, I'm just, it's like going to to the casino, throwing a quarter in the machine. It's like, I don't know if I'm gonna get something or not. Maybe it shows up when we find ourselves getting jealous of other people who have been in God's good graces, you ever get around some folks, they're not like Linus from from uh, Charlie Brown who has the cloud and the dust following him. They're, they're like God's favorite. They got the sunshine and the birds are following them. It's a cool breeze. And you look at them and you go, that's fake. You ever find yourself getting jealous of some folks that seem to be real tight with God? I have. Maybe it shows up that way. Maybe it shows up in, in other ways like, Like maybe it shows up when when something bad happens in your life and you start thinking that God is punishing you. Maybe when the tire goes flat, you go, I knew I shouldn't have done that last week. God's punishing me. You would be surprised by the things I've heard people say and the ways I've seen people act. We tend to view God... Like our natural fathers. Most of us have had some pretty jacked up parents. You don't have to raise your hand. They may be here. And some of you had a good dad. Some of you could sit here and honestly say, you know what? My dad was a good guy. And I would applaud you for that. But let me remind you that your dad was good, but he wasn't God. And he still shaped your view of God. Amen. But sometimes we see God like we see our daddy and that causes a problem. Because maybe your daddy mishandled you and you expect God to mishandle you now. Right? Anytime there's problems and trials that come our way, we tend to think that God's not paying very close attention to us. We kind of feel abandoned and left alone. You ever felt that way? It just may be that that comes from a mindset that me and God still got some beef between us. That he doesn't love me the way he says he loves me. Amen? It's vital for every one of us to come to a clear understanding of who God is and how God sees us. We need to have a clear understanding of who God is and how he sees us. Are you with me this morning? It needs to be clear. It doesn't need to be foggy. It doesn't need to be questionable. You need to understand who God is. And I want to tell you this morning, it is your responsibility to have a healthy view of God. I know you didn't come to church for me to give you some responsibility this morning, but you walked in at the wrong time. I see too many Christians today, they're they're believers, they're, they're followers of Jesus, but there's something unhealthy in their relationship with God. And anytime something bad happens, they have a hard time with it. And they wrestle, and I watch them wrestle, and I go, man, listen to me. And this is what I do as a pastor. I'm constantly trying to encourage, hey, listen, God loves you. He's still with you. He's not mad at you. Listen to me. If you sinned, he would convict you, and he would deal with it because you're in a relationship. And when you're in a relationship with somebody that you love, you work out your issues, right? If you don't love them, you just you just leave them, right? But if you love them, you stay there, and you work out the, the issues, Right? Too many Christians today, as soon as something bad happens, God don't love me. I blew it. I'm going to have to work my way back in. And so we end up getting caught in this cycle of i got to earn it. I get to enjoy it for a minute. But when I mess up, i got to earn it again. And it's a vicious cycle that we're not supposed to be on. Can I tell you that this morning? You're not supposed to be on that cycle. I want to show you today through scripture where we're supposed to be. Because it's good to know where you're supposed to be because that gives you something to shoot at. Amen? It gives you something to pray about. It gives you something to think about. I've had some opportunities over the last 20 years to be around some pretty incredible people that have shaped my life. Some spiritual mentors, some godly men that have, have just brought a, a different kind of view of God into my life. I've had some opportunities to be a, a part of some great events that we host at our church and other churches, like freedom. I used to be a part of the, the old school one called Encounter Retreat. That one was really radical. Freedom's been cleaned up a whole lot. But, but I, yeah, I've been a part of those experiences, and God's used them to shape my life. One of my most recent experiences is I went through a 16-week course called Inner Healing. And I'll be honest with you, it was, it was brutal. First of all, it was 16 weeks of homework. That'll kill a brother from the get-go. <laughs> but then it was sitting through a couple of hours with, with a counselor and walking through some issues. But can I tell you, I came out different. By the way, that's, Jennifer does that. Her and Harmony House, they, they lead a, a 16-week inner healing course. And if she ever advertises one, you're crazy if you don't jump in. I'm I'm a living proof. And listen to me, it's for dudes too. Amen, G? It's for dudes too. It shaped my view of God, and it shaped how I I saw God seeing me. And I want to tell every one of us this morning that you have a choice on how you see God. You have a choice. I'm not talking about the kind of choice where you wake up in the morning and go, Yeah, I'm going to see God in a good way today. That's foolishness. You have a choice to put yourself in some situations and around some people that can help shape your view of God. Amen. That's the choice that you have. Every one of us has that choice. I choose to put myself in a relationship with people that see God differently than I do. I choose to put myself through a 16-week course to help shape the view of God. Amen. Amen. Those are the choices I'm making. You have those choices. I can't do it for you, but you can choose to do that. A couple of things to give you that you can choose to do. Well, number one, you could go through next step. You could just join the church. Maybe that's your first step in getting a different view of God. It's just to join the church. Maybe make a commitment. That's a new idea. Make a commitment. I'm going to plug myself into this church. I'm going to get around these folks, and I'm going to let God shape me and mold me. Maybe it's join a life group. They're coming up in September. Get into a group, a smaller group of people where you can wrestle out some issues. You can pray for one another. You can encourage one another. You can can hold each other up. Here's a new one for you. Maybe you start studying your Bible. Instead of just reading a verse a day to keep the devil away and checking off your box, what if you actually came home in the afternoon? You know, God shows up in the afternoons too. And instead of watching that show, what if you turned the TV off, opened up your Bible, got you a notebook. They still make them notebooks. And you start to dig into some scripture. Watch this and grow yourself. <laughs> what if you grow yourself? Shazam. That's a brand new concept. We can grow ourselves. What's crazy is we have the freedom to do that, but we don't always use it. The point I'm trying to make this morning is this, is how I view God and how I believe he views me is the most foundational building block in my life because everything comes off of that. Everything comes off of that. How I view God and how I think he views me. It'll change your life. Amen. It'll change your life. How many of you have heard the story of Job before? Raise your hand. Okay. Four, five, six, seven, 10, 12. Okay. Job went through something pretty similar. The Bible says Job was a man of God. Job was a guy who talked to God regularly. Job had a good relationship with God. And then through circumstances and events, Job loses everything that he has. And he's sitting, around chapter 13, he's sitting in a place where he's sick, he's got lesions on his skin, he's lost everything, and he has a moment of weakness, or a moment where, where God discovers that there's something in Job that shouldn't be there. Watch this in chapter 13, verse 23. This is Job's conversation with God. He says, tell me, what I've done wrong Is that your first response When something happens bad in your life Oh God what did I do wrong I mean you're like You automatically think you did something wrong Listen You're not the cause of the flat tire It was the cool that didn't clean out his truck And drop the nail on the road Hello You're not going to hell Because you got a flat tire They wear out Right? Tell me what I've done wrong. Show me my rebellion and my sin. Why do you turn away from me? Why do you treat me as your enemy? Wow. This is Job, y'all. And he's in a crisis. But even in that moment, there was a little bit of enemy thinking in Job's mind. Why are you treating me like your enemy? Wow. Go with me to Romans chapter five. I'm going to be in two verses today. Romans chapter five, verse one. This is a verse that that if you're not careful, you just read over this verse when you're reading your Bible. And you don't really pay too much attention to it. But I just want to tell you, this thing's locked and loaded with some good stuff. Just in verse one. So watch this. Romans five, one. It says this, therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. I'll read it again. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. Now watch this. If Jesus had to make peace for us, then there must mean there was once hostility. Right? If you don't have hostility, you don't need peace. If you're not at war, there's no need for peace. Right? Now, the peace, the word, the the Bible's using right here, or the word peace that Paul's using, is not a peaceful, easy feeling. It's like, oh, I feel peace. No, it talks about how I have peace instead of war. You getting this? So watch this. Jesus did for us, What no one else could do. Jesus brought us into right standing with God when he died on the cross, rose from the grave, and is sitting at the right hand of the Father. He made a way for us to have peace with God. He made a way for the war to end. But the problem is, is that we'll give our lives to Jesus. We believe he died on the cross. We believe he rose from the grave. But if we're not careful, we'll still live with an enemy mindset. Because listen to me, when Jesus died on the cross, he paid the penalty for everything. 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 Not 99%. Everything. And I wonder how he feels when we live like we've only been forgiven for 80%. I wonder how his heart starts to beat when we act like we've only been forgiven for this much, when he paid the price for everything. Amen? You see, he wants us to live a good life, and he wants us to experience God's love, and so therefore he paid the full price so that we we could walk into the fullness of God, not the halfness of God, not the Sunday morning of God. Come on, somebody. The fullness of God. The word peace speaks of there's nothing in between us anymore. There's nothing between me and God anymore. It's been settled. Our issues are over. Can they stay over? Can it stay finished? But why is it that every time something happens in our life, we automatically want to go back to, well, there must be something wrong with our relationship. It's a, it's a spiritual insecurity. It's like we don't even realize that Jesus paid the full price. We're insecure about that. We have no confidence. Is it making sense? Jesus did for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. There's no more hostility between us and God. The believer's been reconciled back to God. You know, when you was a couillon before you met Jesus, all God wanted to do was bring you back to himself. That's why he kicked down the walls and climbed the mountains to go get you. Because he loves you because he wanted to be with you again. Has anybody ever loved you that much? My wife and I occasionally get into these things called fights. I know y'all don't have that issue. I do. I don't always say the right thing. This is good confession right now. I'm telling I I don't know how y'all are doing. I'm doing well right now because I'm getting some junk off my shoulders. My wife and I fight. And when we fight... We don't want to walk through the garden holding hands, kissing on each other, right? I mean, when you're fighting with somebody, you don't want to be with them. You put some space and some distance, unless you're one of these people that like the dog fighting. And you're like, you'll chase them out the house and down the street fighting. I, I quit that a while back, but we're getting these fights. And and let me tell you something: there's no peace in my house when we're fighting. And the kids may never hear us fight, but they can tell there's no peace. You know why? Because we walk different. We shut the cabinets different. Boom, boom. Slam the dishes in the, in the, in the sink different, right? We breathe different. <sighs> 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 Come on, ladies. You'll walk around the house. <sighs> <sighs> and the kids are like, Mom, got asthma or something? I mean, like, what's up? I mean, see, you can feel the cold shoulder, right? It's just like the the standoff at the OK Corral, baby. It's just just like like if you say one more stupid thing, it's on. There's no peace, right? Until what? This is my case. Until I go to God, say, Lord, fix that woman. He says, no, I'm going to work on you. I say, dang it. Again? He says, yes, again. And then I repent and I go to my wife and I say, baby, I've been a knucklehead. Please forgive me. I'm sorry. I know it hurts you. I'm so sorry. Please. Right. And then we take care of that stuff between us. Right. Then what? Here comes peace. Come on. Then what else comes? Makeup. Yeah. Oh, don't get all religious on me. If you married, you like some makeup. I'm telling you, I don't know if y'all do that or not. I like some makeup. I'll pick a fight just to get a little makeup. No? That don't work? I shouldn't have confessed that. Sorry, guys. Sorry. i let the cat out of the bag. But what? We get to enjoy one another again, right? Then we want to go walk through the garden holding hands. Just sweet love, baby. Woo! Right? You might get a little pat on the backside. I I like, anyway, shut up. I've got to control myself a little bit. Second service. But I like peace, don't you? I like peace with God. So, how were we made right with God? How'd that happen? I want to explain it to you this morning. I know I've explained it before, but I want to explain it again. Jesus died on a cross for our sins. His blood was shed to wash away all. Say all. all. Say with a little more conviction. All. all of our sin. He dies on a cross for my sin. Then the Bible says God raises him from the grave To give me new life. Wow. I should be the happiest person on the planet. Because Jesus paid for my sin. And then he gave me new life. Right? Isn't that exciting? You don't look excited. Why not? Your sins have been paid for and you've been given new life. Right? It's better than that. Jesus ascended into heaven. He's sitting at the right hand of the father. You know what he's doing? He's advocating for you. All right, pastor, what that means? That means he's pleading your case when you mess up again. Oh, he died for your sins. He rose to give you new life. He's sitting at the right hand of the father, pleading your case. Watch what it says in first John. You're going to love this verse. 1 John chapter 2 verse 1 and 2 it says this My dear children I am writing this to you so that you will not sin but if anyone does sin we have an advocate who pleads our case before the Father He is Jesus Christ the one who is truly righteous He himself is the sacrifice that atones for our sin. So watch this. When you put your faith in Jesus and what he did on the cross, the war was over. When you mess up again, Jesus is pleading your case. How can you be an enemy of God anymore? You can't be an enemy of God anymore. You can believe you are, but in reality you're not. (laughs) you seeing this? He ended the war and now he's sitting at the right hand of the father pleading your case. When you mess up, he goes, hang on, God, let me tell you about what's going on in Jamie's life right now. When the accuser, the enemy comes and he tries to accuse you of everything that you've ever done wrong, Jesus goes, shut up. That's been washed away. And I'm pleading his case right now. I paid for that. That's paid in full. Now go find you something new. Right? So how is it that we can still have an enemy mindset with God? When it can't be true. Jesus paid the price for your sin. He's sitting at God's right hand, pleading your case when you sin again. Now I wonder how he feels when we still think we're enemies with him. When he's done all that for us, we'll believe the lies of the enemy We'll believe the lies of other people and we won't get to enjoy the fullness of God's love and his mercy and his grace because we're locked up in this thing that we still got beef with God and God still got beef with us. And it's just not true. It's just not true. How can it be true when Jesus paid for it and he's advocating for it right now? How can it be true? So that's how we were made right with God. When were we made right with God? The minute you said, I believe you, Jesus. Romans 10 9 and 10 says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's with your mouth that you confess, it's with your heart that you believe and are justified. As soon as you put your faith in Jesus Christ, the war stops. You're no longer an enemy. You've now got a new title called friend. Can you believe it happens that quick? May, yeah. But if you came up with some bad doctrine, you start thinking, well, I got to start being a good person. Now, I got to start living holy and righteous so that I can earn my friendship with God, that I can work for this relationship to work out. That doesn't happen. You get caught in the trap when you do that. Right. You get caught in the trap when you're thinking, I got to be good enough to be God's friend. God said you were good enough because my son paid the price for you. You're valuable to me. Yeah, I know they called you trash. I know they said things about you, but that's not what I said about you. Won't you just listen to what I say about you? Right? Told you there was some stuff in verse one. And listen, if you haven't put your faith in Jesus yet, we're going to give you an opportunity to do that today because that's a choice. That's a choice you can make, not when the stars and the moon line up. That's a choice you can make right now to put my faith in what Jesus did for me. Amen? Verse 2. Because of our faith. You see, your part in this whole thing is faith. And I want you to understand this. You are responsible for your faith. You are responsible for where your faith is put. You can put your faith in God and then take it back and put it in something else. (laughs) You know what my issue is? I put my faith in God, then when it don't work out like I want it to work out, I take it back out and I put it in me. And I kill myself trying to make it happen. And God, as patient and loving as he is, he just stands there and he goes, all right, knucklehead, go ahead. But when you get tired, I'm right here. Right? I'm responsible for my faith. And where it gets put. That's my part in the game. Jesus made the way. I apply the faith. Make sense? So watch this. Because of your faith. Christ has brought us into this place. Love this word. Undeserved privilege. Where we now stand. And we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing in God's glory. Now, the result of putting my faith in what Jesus did is I now get to experience undeserved privilege. And most of us don't even know what that is. Because you've been working for everything you got. You've been striving for every place you've been. Right? And you don't know what undeserved privilege is. It's like when you get a raise and you didn't even show up to work all week. I'm not saying that's how you get a raise. You'd be crazy if you did that. I'm just saying that's undeserved privilege. You ever have somebody just bless you because you, are you, how'd it feel? Undeserved. (laughs) You know, the Bible says it's the goodness of God that draws us to repentance. If God wants to get you to repent, he going to be good to you. Hmm. But if you got an enemy mindset, your hands are closed. You ever try to bless somebody that don't know how to be blessed? It's weird, isn't it? Oh, uh, oh. Uh. It's like you're trying to give them a hot potato. So, oh, uh, oh. Uh. My wife got scalded one time by her daddy because they were at the store and the chip man was loading up the store. And he gave her a free bag of chips. Her daddy ripped it out of her hand and gave it back to him and said, we don't take charity. Now, tell me, that won't mess up your image of God. You see? Sometimes we don't know how to receive it. Make sense? How many of you would say, I need to work on my view of God. So because of your faith, you've been brought into this place of undeserved privilege. What does that look like? I mean, you gotta be curious. What is undeserved privilege? I'm thinking like, is it like Brahms ice cream? (laughs) See, I'm trying to work that into my new, you know, statements. Yes, it's like I discovered Brahms ice cream is undeserved privilege. Let me let me give you a little definition to that. It's it's undeserved privilege means I get to stand before God. I don't have to come in crawling and begging anymore. I'm not an outsider trying to get inside. I'm not a refugee trying to get get connected into this place. I'm I'm not a slave trying to be a free man. I've been given this undeserved privilege. I am God's son. And I can walk in the door and show up and say, what's up, God? What's up? How you doing? Your kids should have undeserved privilege. The only time my kids knock is when they come into our bedroom. That's just because sometimes they don't need to see some stuff. Other than that, if I'm in my office, hey, dad, they don't know why. Because they got privilege. He's my daddy, he loves me. We get to stand before God and not kneel and beg Him for mercy. You see the position? A slave begs, a son stands. Not in pride, but he stands in ownership. I've been given this by Jesus. I can stand before God. That's one way we experience undeserved privilege. The next way is to have access to God. You know what that means? That means that when I pray, I expect him to hear me. I'm not lofting one up into the heavens and hoping it lands in the right place. I'm speaking knowing that he's hearing Amen. My son and I were cutting grass Friday. I'm walking around with a weed eater. I get a text message from Chris. Chris says, hey, pastor, you need to pray for Miss Mary. She's in the emergency room. She passed out, fell on the floor. They found her. They brought her to the emergency room. I said, thanks for letting me know. Let me, you know, keep me updated. Okay. So I'm cutting grass. Got the weed eater in my hand, sweating my tail off. I didn't need to go into the Holy of Holies to pray for Miss Mary. Why? Because I got access. I'm weed eating. Lord. Mary needs you. I just declare that she's healed. And I felt the Holy Spirit say, Don't you worry about Mary. I got her. That was up in somebody's yard. I didn't even know who they was. You see it? I have access. I'm connected. I have connectivity. I'm not like AT&T and I have good spots and bad spots, right? I'm, I'm connected, y'all. I got, I, when I pray, I think God's going to hear me because I got access. So when I pray, I pray with a little more confidence that he's going to hear me and then that he's going to do something about it. I'm not lofting one up. I'm speaking with some confidence. Lord. Mary needs you. I got her. Thanks for asking. You see it? That's undeserved privilege. You can't have that if you still think you and God got some beef. Then I get to experience his favor. (laughs) That's just when life just isn't fair in a good way. People look at you and they go, that's just not fair. I mean, why, why all these good things happen to them? That's not fair. That's favor. Favor's not fair. People think you've got to earn favor. But when God gives you his favor, his undeserved privilege called favor, people get jealous. They go, huh, how in the heck they got that. Make sense? That's just a few things to define undeserved privilege. But this is what I understand, that not all of us have ever experienced that. In fact, I would step out on a limb today and say most of us haven't experienced that kind of relationship with God. I think that's why God told me to preach this message. And I think that's why you showed up to church today. It's because God wanted to speak to you and say, hey, listen, the war is over. I don't know if you remember or not, but the beef is done. The war is over. We're good. Stop wondering. Stop being insecure. Have confidence and joy that we all good. Can you receive that today? That we're just all right. We're good. There's no beef between me and God. Let me read that verse, those two verses to you from the message translation. I love the way it says it, and I thought it's worth reading. It says this, Romans 5, 1 and 2 from the message translation. By entering through faith into what God has always wanted to do for us, set us right with him, make us fit for him. We have it all together with God because of our master Jesus. And that's not all we throw open our doors to God and discover at the same moment that he has already thrown open his door to us. We find ourselves standing where we've always hoped we might stand, out in the wide open spaces of God's glory and grace, standing tall and shouting his praise. Listen to me. We spend too much time, too much money, too much effort and energy trying to fill a void in our life that can only be filled when we stand where we're supposed to stand. we looking for love in all the wrong places when it's right there with God. Amen? But the enemy's got you hoodwinked. He's got you thinking you and God ain't right. When God's saying, we right, we good. And if you sin, I know Jesus is going to speak up for you. And then he'll convict you of your sin and we'll get it right. So don't worry about that. We good. Just stand where you're supposed to stand. You know what happens? You get fulfilled. Full filled, Fully filled. With God's love in his presence. That's where we belong. That's where we You have the right to be there. And doggone it, you need to get an attitude on yourself and say, I'm going to be there. That's my spot. Jesus made that spot for me. I'm going to get my spot. If God put a chair at the table for me with my name on it, I'm going to sit at that table. I'm going to eat that steak. I'm going to eat that Brahms ice cream. Come on, somebody. And I'm going all of it because there ain't no calories in heaven. Right? Yeah. Come on. This is where we belong. Why, how long are we going to let the devil convince us that we don't belong here? If you mess up, Jesus is going to make it up. You don't have to leave. God's not kicking you out. Oh, you might have been kicked out before, but God's not going to kick you out. You see, he loves you and he committed to this relationship with you. He don't give up easy. He's willing to sit down and work it out. That's what we do in marriage, right? Made a commitment, (laughs) the good, the bad and the ugly, (laughs) right? I'm not divorcing my wife and I sure don't want to divorce God. I want to stay right here in this sweet spot with Him, where I can live in such a way. that There's nothing wrong with me and God. My tires can go flat and my battery can die, but I'm gonna keep on being in the sweet spot. Yeah. Amen? Amen. God's not punishing me. I don't have the glee on me, right? <laughs> Jesus took all the glee off of you. <laughs> there's no more. You in the spot. Can you just be there? Can we just be there? Let me ask you something. Can you let that settle in your heart this morning? Not only can you receive it and believe it, but can you let it settle in your heart? Can you let the war die down? Can you let the peace with God come? Do you want that? You gotta want that. Because this is how he finishes up verse two. Where we now stand and we confidently and joyfully Look forward to sharing in God's glory. We should be confident. Listen to me. We should be confident that me and God are all right. Not insecure. There's no room for spiritual insecurity. There's no room for wondering if me and God's okay. We're, we're called to be confident that we're okay. Okay. Almost like you got a chip on your shoulder. When somebody your tire goes flat, somebody say, "Uh huh, you messed up, didn't you?" No, I ain't messed up. That's just a daggone nail got in my tire. God ain't mad at me, right? I got a chip on my. You ain't bringing that false doctrine over here. I used to believe that lie. I'm not believing it anymore. Confidence, and then watch this. Some joy. Man, I'm privileged. Come on, you're privileged undeserved privilege you didn't earn this good spot with God Jesus gave it to you and you ought to have some joy in your heart because you ain't got to work for it you ain't got to earn it all you got to do is receive it amen and you just stand by you go hey 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 G- Jesus made the way right Jesus made the way that I could never make How about them apples? Huh? You got you some of that? I got me some. Been working on it for a couple days. This is where we belong. It's where we belong. You should expect nothing less than to be in the sweet spot with God. Amen? Let's pray.